Hello, and welcome to a special edition of 15 Minutes to Change the World, where in 15 minutes or less, you can learn more about the world and how you can help change it. I'm Barbara Grantham, the President and CEO of Care Canada, and I'm excited to be hosting a series of special edition episodes where I'm speaking with Canadian international assistants, leaders, and policymakers. These discussions focus on Canada's role in achieving a global gender just recovery from COVID 19. I am so pleased to welcome in this episode Annamie Paul, the leader of the Green Party of Canada. Ms. Paul has also served as an international affairs critic in the Green Party of Canada's shadow cabinet. Welcome, Ms. Paul, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's really a pleasure to be with you today. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Well, same here. So let's dive right in. I'm wondering, you have a fascinating background in terms of international affairs and, and global experience. So I'm wondering if you can tell our listeners a little bit about your experience in international affairs, both with the government of Canada and, and in other roles as well. Uh, certainly, with pleasure. My, my uh, partner who I met in law school is, is an international human rights lawyer, and uh, we both had the opportunity at the same time to go overseas with our young family uh, to work. Uh, in my case, I was uh, recruited through a Government of Canada program called Recruitment of Policy Leaders, and I worked in our mission uh, towards the European Union, Canada's mission to the European Union in Brussels. I worked in political affairs, and uh, I focused uh, quite heavily on international development, uh, human rights, conflict prevention, uh, it was just very interesting, engaging work being there at that time. This was in the early uh, 2000s. I also have had, uh, had the opportunity to work at the International Criminal Court in the Office of the Prosecutor as an international advisor. And I've also been on the civil society side as well. I worked as the EU director, European Union director for a, an international conflict prevention NGO that focuses on uh, limiting the impact of deadly conflict on civilians. And so I've really had a, a great, um, great honor of, of being able to work in international affairs uh, and um, you know, participate uh, particularly at some, some key moments uh, for some countries. And it's, it's really been such, such a, an honor to do that. And it's an experience that I bring to my work now. I find it hard to imagine how that wouldn't be the case. And so I think that probably gives you a unique vantage point in how you see Canada's role in the world at this particular moment in time, when we are dealing with this very significant crisis here at home and abroad, why are you so personally committed to international development? And secondly, what do you see as Canada's role in the world at this time, given this international development experience that you have? Well, I don't know if it's become quite a, a cliche yet to say it. I mean, certainly for me, it still feels very fresh and, and maybe actually reassuring to, to hear it repeated very often these days. Uh, but certainly for me, the, the, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic has served as a really fresh reminder of how interconnected we are. COVID reminded us that uh, things that happen half a world away can have a very profound impact on us here. 
And I'm hoping that in the international development context, what that allows us to feel in a more tangible way uh, is that the fortunes of others in other countries, even if we'll never meet them, has an impact on us here in Canada and that we have a stake in the development of, uh, of other countries uh, and that we have, we have a, a responsibility um, and even a self-interest in being committed to the sustainable development goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe segueing into your next question, it's, it's really worth emphasizing, and I don't have to tell you that, Barbara, that those sustainable development goals are under threat. There was already a, a very great risk that we weren't going to achieve them within the time delays that we had set for ourselves, the time targets. But now with the pandemic, we know that many, many years of progress towards meeting those SDGs has been rolled back, has been compromised, particularly uh, with respect to women. And that if we don't take decisive action in a very short period of time, that uh, there's, there's the risk that these losses will become structural and we might have lost a, a decade of progress. So Canada has a, if it so chooses, has an opportunity to be a real leader, you know, to join together in coalition with other countries that don't want to see that progress eroded. Um, and that's going to require real tangible things, you know, real financial support, uh, real exchange of, of knowledge. Uh, and so Canada needs to commit to that now in a very explicit, uh, intentional way. Given your such extensive experience overseas, what are the risks or the consequences for Canada if we if we don't undertake that? Well, I mean, I am um, where to begin. <laughs> you know, I, I I shudder to contemplate it. I'll, I guess that you know this again. We can we can take all the examples we need from this moment uh, when we look at, for instance, uh, the distribution of vaccines. It seems like on the face of it, perhaps that it makes sense to ensure that everyone in our country is vaccinated before every anyone gets vaccinated uh, abroad, uh, you know, via the vaccines that we control. But, you know, that may feel good initially if we think about it for just a second. Uh, we know that uh, first, we will not be able to defeat uh, COVID until uh, those uh, all around the world, including in developing countries, are vaccinated. And so, you know, whether most importantly, you look at this from an ethical perspective, uh, or whether you look at it from a very pragmatic, self-interested perspective, uh, Canada has a, a very important uh, stake in, in international development. There's, there's absolutely no question about it. What could we do uniquely from a Canadian perspective that would help in that larger global context a- a- along the road to that recovery that we all seek? What can Canada offer up? There's a lot we can offer up. You know, we're not unique per se. I think that we can almost certainly identify at least one country anywhere, you know, around the world uh, that shares at least one characteristic with us uh, with respect to international development. But there are some things that we have historically been known for and roles that we, if we chose to reclaim them now, could make a big difference. You know, Canada is a country that had historically been known, you know, in the days when I was uh, working as, as a diplomat and prior to that, as a, as a, a convener. Uh, mm-hmm. as someone, as a mediator, as, as a country that was able to bring together international partners and allies around uh, what seemed to be intractable questions or issues and actually forge, uh, forge solutions and to facilitate the creation of innovative solutions. 
And so certainly as we're trying to figure out how do we approach this hopefully last wave of pandemic, how do we plan for the post-pandemic recovery? How do we make sure, again, that those, these regressions in international development, uh, progress toward development, uh, don't, get, don't become structural? Canada should, should absolutely resume that role. I think, though, that one of the things that we'll need to do if we want to resume that role of convener and facilitator is, of course, you need to show leadership and you need to do, we need to do that by making sure that we are proving in intangible ways that we are extremely committed uh, to supporting uh, the uh, work toward SDGs abroad and supporting that with financial and human resources and knowledge exchange, everything that we have at our disposal. Uh, and Canada is a very diverse country. One of the things that does perhaps set us apart from, from many countries is our, our diversity of our population. We have people in our country that come from all over the world and bring that perspective with them as well. And so if we can tap into that as we develop our policy uh, approach towards uh, international development, that would be something that could develop really positive, sustainable public policy approaches. You know, government is is obviously looking at all of the investments uh, that they'll be making, both domestic and and international. What will your party be suggesting um, that Canada should be doing from an overseas uh, development investment perspective? What will what will the Greens be be encouraging Canadians and policymakers to be thinking about? We need to be committing to increasing our our investment. Uh, I know that there's still uh, a, you know, an open debate uh, in the development community about uh, overseas development assistance uh, in terms of that particular, uh, that particular instrument. I was actually on a uh, call today with a high commissioner from a developing country who said in no uncertain terms that ODA needed to be also overseas development assistance needed to go the way of the, and I quote, the dodo bird. <laughs> um, and because it wasn't it wasn't uh, driven enough or directed enough by the recipients and it still uh, wasn't it wasn't unleashing the full potential potential that she envisaged through other kinds of cooperation but that being said uh, Canada still has not and uh, has never contributed its fair share to overseas uh, overseas development it's as I said it's very hard to be a leader if you're not contributing your uh, fair share you know, this may be, this is practical and symbolic, but I come back again to the vaccine distribution and the vaccine nationalism that we're seeing here in Canada. Uh, that is something tangible that at this moment in time, in terms of this budget, we could do, we could commit to send uh, over our, a portion of our vaccine supplies uh, to, um, to the COVAX facility or directly, um, you know, bilaterally uh, to countries who haven't received any or very little in recognition that that's one of the very best things that we can do to prevent further erosion of development uh, in the next couple of years. And then I know there are movements amongst uh, certain of our international partners to talk about how if we do end up in this situation again, and we certainly will end up in this situation again, uh, that we have, uh, we have done the work collectively at a multilateral level in advance um, to, to prepare. And so there's talk of a pandemic uh, treaty, for instance. But I can't ever forget the climate. 
And we know that uh, the climate is the biggest threat multiplier that, uh, that the world faces. We know that the climate uh, and our warming climate uh, is going to put uh, development uh, and uh, our progress toward the SDGs at greatest risk and provoke all kinds of terrible consequences, some of which have already been unleashed. Uh, it's really one of the greatest threats to development. And so Canada needs to do its fair share uh, domestically, and we need to assume a leadership role in supporting countries financially and otherwise in the developing world that are seeking um, support to progress toward development while at the same time growing uh, their economies and, and uh, in a sustainable way. Let me finish with, a, with a maybe a little bit of a different question. What are tangible actions that individual citizens, individual Canadians can be taking today and in the days to come to bring about this better world that all of us seek? This is an election year, Barbara, and I have to say the best thing that they can do this year is to uh, vote uh, and to become actively involved uh, in the, the next election because we really are at a, at a crossroads. We didn't expect to be here. And it has changed so many things. And we have so many important decisions to make. Uh, you know, in, in the case of Canada, are we going to be good, uh, strong uh, neighbors within the international community? And, you know, concretely, are we going to support our neighbors in their quest uh, toward development, toward sustainable development? Are we going to redouble our efforts given how much ground has been lost during the pandemic um, and that needs to be regained quickly if it's not going to be a, a permanent uh, state of affairs? Uh, are we going to support women around the world uh, who are undoubtedly the leaders in uh, development uh, within uh, their countries? Those are the kind of questions that we are going to be asking and answering within the course of just the next few months. And so if we want the answer to be a strong one, if we want Canada to assume that leadership role internationally, if we want to be proud of what Canada has done uh, and will do in the future in terms of supporting development internationally, uh, then we need to be supporting uh, politicians from all parties who believe in that uh, and who are committed to that and who have been asked that question and given the right answers to that uh, question uh, because it is always possible even for a country like Canada to retreat within itself and to imagine that it's able to it's able to focus inwardly as opposed to assume a, a truly international multilateral approach to the world. I want to thank you so much, Ms. Paul, for taking the time to talk with me and with CARE today and for this great discussion. It was a real pleasure. Thank you for asking such thoughtful questions. And uh, it's daunting to think about these things until I think about the international development community and how much work, how much good work is going on, even in the midst of all of these challenges. Uh, and I, I know that we have everything that we need uh, here in Canada to, uh, to do, uh, you know, to lead and to do really our fair share. Thank you again for joining us today. And many thanks to you, all of our wonderful listeners. And as always, you can find all of the episodes of 15 Minutes to Change the World on Spotify, iTunes, and at care.ca backslash podcast. Thank you for listening.